Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Meaningful Learning Podcast with me, Dr. Samantha Cotrera. Many of you know that I started this podcast as a way to share my academic conference presentations with a wider audience. I also have a video series called Imagining a New We that's designed for K-12 teachers and helping them think about their practice and pedagogy in more meaningful, inclusive, and transformative ways. Just after the WHO declared COVID-19 a pandemic, I recorded a video for that series asking how we would teach history after this. I didn't have any answers. I still don't. But in asking the question, I was able to connect to a wide variety of people in the history and heritage field about whether their ideas of history have changed because of this moment, how they think teaching history will shift after this moment, and how notions of community, collaboration, and creativity, the imagining a new we that I named the video series after, may be developed or curtailed during and after this time. All of these videos are available on YouTube. You can search for my name to find the channel. But the conversations have been so rich that I wanted to provide another way for people to access them. This podcast episode and the rest in the Pandemic Pedagogy series is an unedited audio version of one of those video conversations. As an unedited version, you may hear buffering or a prompt to re-ask a question or even the inclusion of a cat. But the content and quality of the conversation remains the same. In this conversation, originally posted May the 21st, 2020, I speak to John Heckman, also known as the Tattooed Historian. John is a history brand. He's a Twitter historian. He's across many different social media platforms as a way to share and talk and connect with people um, across the digital world about history. He sees this as a moment that can be a creative inspiration for people to develop their audience through digital platforms. And he talks about how he hopes that this moment will be uh, a creative inspiration and not just a creative bubble that we have to do quickly, but that's something that can really last after this time. His work is really inspiring, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, let's get started. So today we have a real treat. We are going to talk with uh, John Heckman. John, thank you so much, the tattooed historian, for coming to talk on the Imagining a New We uh, video series. It's so exciting to make this connection that we did on Twitter. So thank you so much. Yes, thank you for having me, Samantha. It is awesome to see when two Twitter historians come together. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, I was especially drawn to a lot of the ideas that you're having because of this digital history conference that you uh, that, that you started and that, that's going to um, take place in June, correct? Yes, 20th of June is a Saturday. Okay. Um, and hopefully we can talk about that a lot more in the questions. But let's, do you want to actually just introduce yourself before we dive into the questions? Sure. Well, as, as you said, Samantha, my name is John Heckman, and uh, I use, I have a graduate degree in history, and uh, I used to work for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers alongside them as a historian and archivist, and I realized the cubicle life wasn't for me, so uh, I broke out of that and started a brand. I actually started the brand as I was working for the Corps of Engineers called the Tattooed Historian, and it was a way for me to try to get my next job. And uh, because LinkedIn wasn't the, the sexiest of things going on at the time. So I figured oh, I was making a Facebook page and I was showcasing my work. And uh, then it, it kind of got legs of its own. It took off and uh, I left my job to pursue this passion of mine full time. 
and uh, the brand has worked out pretty well for me. And basically, I built it up as a brand to help other historians uh, basically get on the map and to bring history to the masses in a friction-free way, no pay-for-play or anything like that. So I wanted to be very open and welcoming. And I, I think that because of the COVID pandemic, a lot of people are thinking about uh, thinking about a lot of stuff differently. I mean, that's a redundant <laughs> statement, but um, but thinking about historical narratives differently, and um, and even thinking about their interactions with them differently, and their their potential career or hobby kind of interactions with them. And so, uh, so it's especially great to connect now because I think that the work that you're doing is is so much more relevant and salient for us to talk about today. Um, so let's just go to my first question. You know, I have the same questions for everyone. Um, do you have your ideas about history changed at all during this time? And if so, in what ways? And if not, because some people have been like, no, because I'm already doing really critical work. Um, if not, why not? Um, my personal belief is my ideas of history and doing history haven't really changed that much. It's just been put on an accelerated pace. Uh, for example, I was conducting live stream interviews two, three years ago, and maybe doing two a month. Now I'm doing four or five per week. Uh, I'm reaching out on new platforms, but I'm seeing a lot of new faces coming online and doing a lot of new things. So I would say for me personally, the crisis that we're going through now, the pandemic that we're going through now, hasn't really changed my outlook on what I believe the history field can become or should become, no matter what you do in the history field. I think that uh, I've actually been in training for this moment because I've been just so accustomed to being like this for the last <laughs> right. couple of years. It's like, all right, finally, I get to you know showcase my chops here. Uh, but it's just been an accelerated process now for me where I've built up something and now I'm just building it higher and higher as we go. But it's been very cool to see people who uh, have never done this before and you get to watch them create right before your eyes in front of a lot of people. So yeah, for me, it hasn't really changed a lot, but I know for others, it's been a drastic change. Well, could you, could you comment on that about others? Like how, how are others reacting to this moment that now that you're like, yes, please, I've been doing this. Like, come, let's talk about it. How right. have you found others uh, have their ideas shifting about history um, that you've interacted with? The interesting part, Samantha, is that uh, in early March this year, I was at a conference in uh, Waterloo, Ontario. And I was a speaker at the conference and I spoke about social media outreach for historical entities. And uh, we talked about nonprofit reach, outreach museums, reenactors, how they can do outreach and everything else. And people were taking notes and jotting things down and they were actually involved in the, in the conversation. Little did they know that two or three weeks later, they might have to put some of that into work and, and make it something else. But when I first started the brand, I would try to uh, mentor or assist other organizations with their social media outreach. And uh, there, was a, there was a brick wall pulled up many times. We're like, oh, our, our, our people aren't on that platform or our future isn't with Facebook or our future isn't with Instagram or whatever it may be. But now I'm starting to see some of the same entities coming around and having their own live stream presentations and making an Instagram page and putting things up on Twitter for the first time. And I think that 
this is going to make the process move along even faster because people are going to get comfortable with it. And uh, I've, I've seen a lot of entities coming up online who I never would have thought of done it in five years, but because of what we're going through now, it's really changed the pattern for how they're doing history. And I think that's a fascinating look at it. And I hope that the people I talked to in Waterloo put some of it, even more of it into, into pattern because they would ask me, how can you do so many posts per week? And uh, I would tell them, well, I'm always working on this stuff and I'm always trying to create and think of new things. And it's been more about documenting a journey than creating content for me. So uh, that makes it a little bit easier. So it's been a really neat uh, thing though to see more people coming online and doing some great things. And I watch a lot of them do it uh, because I wanna support them and help them uh, you know, through the whole thing. Cause I know it can be an uncomfortable process for a few people. What um, conference was it? Uh, I was at a, a, a reenactor style conference. It was put on by 1812 reenactors and it was at oh. the Waterloo Regional Museum. Uh, and uh, it, was, uh, it was called the History Mix 2020 conference. And it was a, a CD thing on the, on the sign and <laughs> history mix on it. So I'm like, yeah, we're, we're 90s people here. <laughs> Um, but it, we're, we're back in the day here. Uh, but it was fascinating because I believe there were four speakers total. I was one of them. And I was obviously like, I usually am the wild card speaker who you don't know what he's going to come up with or what he's going to say or how he's going to present it. Um, and, uh, the other speakers are pretty much traditional style speakers, but I was the one talking about how do we reach a new audience and how do we provide accessibility to a new audience and uh we went over everything from starting a podcast to getting on tiktok which was fun <laughs> so um i don't it. i don't really understand tiktok you don't need to explain it to me i i feel like i'm just gonna stick with my cds <laughs> i'm like <laughs> yeah. that, that's where my limit is <laughs> yeah that's fine i don't dance on there don't worry i'll be terrible <laughs> well um <laughs> Okay, no, I, I'm not gonna ask you to explain TikTok to me. Uh, I'll just ask a, an eight-year-old instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe safer. Yeah, maybe. Um, it's interesting because you know I've been seeing a lot of things about uh, muse like the future of museums and historical sites and and uh, heritage preservation centers and 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 worried about funds and worried about audience. And then I talked with Joe McGill from the Slave Dwelling Project, who is an American, and he was like, "This is an opportunity for us to shift the narratives." Um, to shift the narratives of what we are talking about at historical sites in particular. Um, because if you want to keep reaching those audiences, you need to tell the stories that, that they already know, like they're coming to a historical site because they already kind of know the, the stories. But if you want to keep these new audiences, you are going to need to, to challenge those stories, to tell more complex stories. And um, it's been really exciting that really shifted my ideas about what this moment could do. Um, and so it's, it's kind of cool about what you're saying that you're already talking about this, like that first week of March, because I am sure that a lot of those people are thinking about or trying those things because you probably made it very uh, accessible for them. Right. I, I've seen a couple of them pop up. They'll send me invites and they'll be like, I, I made a page or I, uh, I put a YouTube channel up or, or something. And uh, I know one of the, one of the uh, reenactors that was there started a, I believe he started a Facebook page or a YouTube page where all he's, he's doing is playing the fife 
so he's he's showing people what the music sounded like and how to play it and stuff like that. And I'm and I just applaud him. He was one of the people who was taking notes very in, intently during the conversation and would talk to me afterwards. Uh, so it's really awesome to see people who are experimenting with with social media and with blogging and with uh, creating videos and you slowly start to see the insecurity start to go away you know you're nervous originally how's this going to be judged how's it going to look is the lighting right uh, things like that but when you start to realize that all you need to do is just put the stuff out there to an audience who's possibly already into it into the subject you're talking about you can grow a new uh, audience out of that and create something really different. And uh, with my audience, it's been really awesome because a lot of them were under the age of 40, which is different for uh, the history field in many ways, because when you go to public talks, there's usually, they're usually older. Um, and also I've drawn in people who are tattoo artists or who you know ride Harleys on the weekend and stuff like that because of the brand name. Uh, the name kind of became a welcoming thing of its own uh, because I have been uh, admittedly turned down for a job in the history field because I have tattoos below my elbows. Uh, so I was turned down for a position. So I wanted to make a brand that was also welcoming from the name. And it's been cool to see other people making either brands or just doing new things in the museum they work with or the archives they work for due to the fact of, we're going through this time where we're all separated and we have to do outreach in some way to get our mission across. And I think too, a lot of, uh, a big part of that is to, and I, I think about this other, the a video I posted early in May about to understand your purpose in teaching history. Now I reckon like, I, I do obviously uh, recommend that people go and watch those videos, but it seems like it's just for K to 12 teachers and to, to be open to the, the learning from it, even if it doesn't seem like it fits you, because what is your purpose of doing that engagement? Because those things like the analytics of social media, the numbers, the views can seem really intimidating and it might seem like too much. But if you're like, my purpose for teaching history is my purpose of playing the fife as a reenactor is to um, is to keep this particular practice alive, then the numbers can come but you're still fulfilling your purpose. And I think that that is a, a good way to think about how are you going to engage in some of these new practices to think about what's, what is the purpose that you want to achieve here? Uh, not just to drive numbers, although I'm not saying that that isn't, it isn't something people are interested in, but to share parts of history. Right. right. I've, I've never been worried about numbers uh, as far as this is how many followers I have. As long as I was doing what I felt was my story or my way of telling a story and doing it authentically, that's all I was worried about. And, and it was, I was more worried about bringing value to, to an audience, whether it was 200 people or 2,000 people. It didn't matter to me. And I think because my brand has always been authentically me, uh, that that helped propel it because people knew when they met me on the street or when they saw me in an event, they knew it was the same person. They could always come up and, and I would you know, say hello and all that stuff. Uh, so I think if you're doing it authentically, you're being yourself. You're not trying to fake it till you make it. And uh, <laughs> you're not worried about, oh, I need to get this many followers by Saturday or I'm gonna lose sleep. That's, that's when you're, you're secure with 
what's going on. But yeah, having that purpose and finding out why do I want to do this? And, or what's my goal in doing this? That's a very important thing to be thinking about. And I just remember what it was like, not, and I still many times can't, I can't afford to go to many conferences when we have them because they're, they price me out. So I wanted to bring people into the history field, or at least have that curious group of people be able to get that fulfillment. So that's why I wanted to also make it friction free. You know, I didn't want to have it where you have to pay money to see people. We're going to do live events for free and you just show up. So we did events in pubs and other places like that. And it would be free. We would have bartenders and food service and we would do a history night. And uh, there were times where we crammed people in there and it was just crazy because people wanted it. And that's when I knew that we were onto something really. And now it's all gone digital because of, our current situation. Yeah, I really appreciate that about thinking about the value, right? Like as long as your content is valuable and you're being authentic to um, the type of histories that you want to do and aligned with your purpose of engaging in these histories, you're going to have quality content, even if you're new to the, the media itself. Um, this makes me think of the second question. So I ask everyone, do you think do you think uh, the way we teach history will change after this? And we've already kind of talked about this um, in the last question. Like, I, I, think, I think the answer that you would probably say is yes. And of course, when I say teach history, I mean mobilize the past. I don't mean necessarily in traditional settings. Can you maybe talk about what you think that might look like from your perspective, in particular, thinking about the, the conference on June the 20th and, and why, that is such an important thing for thinking of the ways that we're going to mobilize the past to teach history, to share history during and after this moment. I really think history is going to be mobilized more than has been in generations because of the fact that we have so much ability to do free outreach now. Uh, I'm on 10 platforms and I don't pay for any of them. Uh, it's free outreach. So when you can do it within your budget, within your means, the sky is the limit. And I really think that a lot of historians, historical entities, uh, nonprofits as we would have down here or, or wherever they may be, are going to embrace more of this. And what I'm hoping is that they keep it up. Uh, you know, when we go back to work, so to speak, and everyone goes back to normalcy, whenever that may be, uh, I don't want this to stop. And I don't want it to uh, people lose interest in it because there's going to be so many opportunities for outreach on here and it's going to level the playing field. And uh, I talk about that a lot where I have my master's degree in history, but I've brought on people who have written 20, 30 books. And 10 years ago, that wouldn't have been possible because we wouldn't have had these kind of things. So if we look at it as a, a source where we can really get our mission out there and cause a creativity boom, I think we could really, really embrace this more than ever in the history field, whatever way you do history or uh, conduct uh, teaching in whatever fashion you do, there's always room for that on here. And uh, it doesn't matter what platform it is and it doesn't um, matter where you are. It's a universal thing, uh, luckily. Uh, as far as the digital history conference is concerned, I was, uh, I was up at 1230 in the morning, and uh, as I usually am, I'm still up thinking about projects and ideas and 
my brain doesn't stop seemingly until about one o'clock in the morning. And um, I was thinking, you know, I have a lot of friends who had some conferences that were canceled and these people have to have done wonderful work with papers uh, for their panels and they're sitting on the sidelines now. So I decided that I'd take an old idea I had, which was I wanted to have uh, the Tattoo Historian brand have a conference, a one time a year conference where it was kind of like a, a knockoff of a TED talk, basically, where we'd have 20 minutes of someone giving a presentation. You would allow 10 minutes of Q&A, then we'd take a break and we'd do it again. Um, so uh, I was going to have, you know, people come out from all walks of life who had done historical research on something. Uh, they get to pick their theme music when they walk out on stage and we have a fun time doing that. Uh, but obviously we can't do that now. But I don't have to worry about logistics and cost because now we can do it digitally. Uh, so I came up with the idea, well, let's do a, a, a all day Facebook live and uh, through Zoom and we would have six presenters and these people would be people who had prepared for conferences no matter where they are uh, and no matter what the subject matter as well, as long as it's history and we would present history to the masses. So we're doing it on the 20th of June between the hours of 10 and five Eastern and uh, it's going to be a great time because we have so many people from uh, you know, all walks of life who are coming on and, and talking about all kinds of stuff. We have, we have uh, people from England to the United States. I'm trying to get a Canadian, so <laughs> I, need to, I need to get my Canadians on board with this one. Now that I know that you aren't Canadian, because we were saying that before we started recording, I thought you were Canadian. Um, uh, now that I know you're not Canadian, I will make sure my Canadian colleagues know about this. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be hopefully Canadian in a few years uh, with my dual citizenship, but uh, I'm looking forward to because it's going to uh, be a great time and it's going to be an awesome networking opportunity as well. Uh, who knows, people could get, you know, a call to do a program somewhere else on some other platform. Um, I'm really just the person who likes to open doors for people and connect people with people in the field because I know how hard it can be. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting ride and I'm already getting people who are asking, are you going to do another one <laughs> because they're not available on the 20th of June? Can we do another one? And I actually received another message asking if I was going to do a multi-day one. So, uh, it's, it's something that I think is going to resonate with a lot of people and we're going to try it out. We're going to see how it goes. And four of the six positions are already filled up. Uh, and I thank all four of those people and, we're going to have a, we're going to have a good time with it. So who knows the sky's the limit with it, but I'm hoping that that also creates new opportunities for more people to do history in, in new ways. Um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see on the 20th of June. Well, I can't wait. I think it's going to be really exciting. And I always am thinking about how to mobilize the amazing work that historians do to a K to 12 audience. And so I will be, I will be thinking about that. That's what, where all my notes will be um, as part of my learning. And um, yeah, I can't wait to, to hear how it, I can't, I can't wait to hear how it, it um, goes and, and, and develops because when you had said like, this is, this is a moment that we could have a creative boom. Um, you know, my hope is that people will really see the opportunity to use these platforms to, to do something different, not to do the same thing, but just, just this way. And because I am focused on teaching and learning, 
and also in higher ed, I'm, I'm thinking about this a lot with history professors, like, oh, you're just planning on lec like lecturing to your screen for three hours uh, because that's what you did in class. Like, how can we really use this to, to mobilize history in these creative ways? So I can't wait to watch the conference and to hear more about, uh, more from your perspective about how this works. Um, my last question is about imagining a new we. So I have a book coming out in the summer called Transforming the Canadian History Classroom, Imagining a New We. And uh, I was saying with another person, like, it says Canadian classroom, but I think Americans should read it too. It's really just about teaching national history uh, in high schools and, and elementary schools. Um, because I argue, the imagining a new we is that I argue that there are so many silos. Like, how can we increase circles of inclusion in how we understand the nation, how we understand our past, and how we understand our teaching practices. Do you have any thoughts? Um, the final question is, is thinking about this idea. Do you have any thoughts about whether or not we are going to imagine a new we with history differently after this moment or during this moment or um, you know sometimes people talk about the creativity that can come from imagining uh, do you think that is going to be a thing that happens after this moment i think we're going to have as i said earlier like we're going to have a boom of creativity i hope that causes us to have a different talk about the historical narrative i hope that allows those new voices that i talked about to resonate louder than ever um, I'm, I'm hoping that it creates more diversity, more inclusion, and uh, more understanding of the historical narrative. I, I don't know so much from an American perspective um, what it's going to be like after this is all, all over. I'm hoping that it's a boom and not a bubble. <laughs> that's, that's my main thing. I don't want the bubble to burst here. I want a boom where it lasts and it keeps going and we, we start to see more and more creativity, which may help us develop a new sense of we. Um, I, I just think that this is a crossroads, in my opinion, of the arts and humanities, and in this case, the history field, more so than I've ever seen. And I'm really interested to see where this leads us because this defining moment in our lives uh, is going to be that crossroads I think we need to go through as far as historians or history uh, curious people, history lovers, history nerds, whatever you might want to call us. I really think that uh, the new we may be we who work in the field are going to see it totally differently. Uh, see our potential totally differently because now we've shaken off the rust and this, uh, the chains of insecurity and said, well, I'll stay in front of a camera for five minutes and talk about whatever and then hand it off to this person and do it. I really hope that there is a boom of that because if we keep creating and we keep documenting the journey, we're going to create a new narrative and it's going to be a more inclusive and a, a more enjoyable narrative than just doing things as we've done it for the last 20 years. I think if we go through this, and we don't change or we revert back to the way we were doing things, we've lost a unique opportunity. Um, I know for me personally, I'm going to keep pushing very hard to keep going and to allow this to be a boom and not a bubble. 
uh, and I keep asking people to please just document your journey. I understand a lot of people are making journals, uh, which one day could be their autobiography of their time going through this, this era. So I think that it's going to create a new way in different ways for different subsets of people. But I think if we bring that all together in a historical narrative in 10 or 20 years, we're going to see that this was a defining time for us in more ways than one. Yeah, thank you for that. I think there's a lot of really interesting elements. And one of the things I want to pull out is that um, when we're saying we, there's a lot of different we's. And so we can think of the we of people teaching and learning history, historians, history educators, public historians, and to think of how we can imagine ourselves differently. And I, I just really appreciate you pulling that out as a particular we we can imagine. So thank you. Oh, I think we need to focus on how we are as historians or teachers or educators so we can get the narrative out in an even better way. Or Because it's almost like you can't love someone unless you love yourself. It's like that with the history field to me. You, you, can't, you can't do it well if you don't feel well doing it. So I think that we have to look, at our, look in, inward and create and document and uh, that will help create our own new we, in my opinion. Well, and also um, to also bring in another like therapy thing that you have to work through uh, who came before, like the parents and grandparents before and those legacies, because I think in the field we can really, you know, this is the way we've always done it. And it's uh, even, even when you're young and fresh in the field, you can be like, okay, well, I want to change it. But then you know, it's, it's very easy to get into those roots. So to be able to think about, no, like what does it look like that if we don't have these traditions that we are building on, that we don't have the, you know, uh, you know 75 year old volunteer that's like, no, we literally have always done it this way. I've, I, we've done it this way for 55 years. So let's just keep doing it this way. Like you, there are more spaces to interact and that creativity separate from those relationships. And I was talking to a teacher about that, that, um, you know, sometimes staff rooms uh, can be a little toxic. And so if you can do some creative work without the naysayers, then there's a lot of potential to transform what happens whenever we get back, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes always appears better than no. <laughs> so I, I, I've, I've received emails from people who, I never knew. And uh, they asked, would you like to collaborate on this? And I say, yes, let's see what happens and mm -hmm. let's try it. Uh, what's the worst that could happen? We get back to the same place we were, uh, right. you know, so I, there's no loss. There's just uh, an experimentation process. So uh, a lot of people have come on to my, my brand who I didn't know ahead of time. And I've said, Hey, let's try it. Let's give it a shot and see what happens. And if it works, it works. That's fine. Uh, and I think we, we need to have like exactly like you say, we got to get rid of that boardroom mentality of, uh, you know, where it's a little intimidating or a little stuffy. For me personally, I always like to have discussions that are like we're sitting in a coffee shop or a pub and we're just hanging out and, and we're just talking about history because usually when we're in a coffee shop or a pub. We're talking history anyway. If we're around these people. So why not film it and just have a good time with it? So I think that we're going to see that in the future. I really hope we do. Um, and I'm looking forward to 
starting in the fall term at, at Western in, in London, Ontario, and uh, bringing this all to Ontario with me and seeing how it goes. There's a lot of places I want to go to in, in Ontario. <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you, Ontario won't know what hit them with these ideas. <laughs> but I, uh, I think it will be a really exciting, exciting thing for Ontario to have you uh, speaking from an Ontarian. Um, but I'm also excited to hear about the potentials that you see and the possibilities um, in, in these sites that I know a lot more than a lot of the sites that you talk about in the United States. And thank you for saying yes to me. Thanks for participating in this. This was really great and it provides so many different dimensions um, than the other conversations that we've had. And one of the things I love about all of these conversations, um, and I've done about 20 now since at the end of March, um, is how they build and develop on each other. And it's, uh, and I, I, I think that this, fit so well. So thank you so much. Um, can you say the time and date of the uh, digital conference again? Yes, the, it'll be on the 20th of June, which is a Saturday. It'll be on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the tattooed historian. It'll be right on the main page. We're going to live stream all day long. Uh, we're going to start at 10 a.m. Eastern. Our final presentation is at four. So we should be done around 435 o'clock that Saturday. And we'll, we'll hopefully have six presenters. And as I said, you can go to my Facebook page and, and check it out and, and watch along. And all of the links that you talked about will be below this video so people can, uh, can, can check it out right from there. So thank you so much, John. This was really great. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I uh, can't wait to see you in Ontario. <laughs> I can't. I, I'm, I need some Tim Hortons right now. <laughs> well, I think we, we all need, we all need. <laughs> yeah. Everyone deserves a free round. Yes, yes. Okay, thank you so, thank you so much. Bye. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Pandemic Pedagogy series of the Meaningful Learning with Dr. Samantha Cotrera podcast. My first book, Transforming the Canadian History Classroom, Imagining a New We, will be available in the latter half of 2020. Order on Amazon or through your local bookseller today.